Hi, welcome to issue 18 of the Attention Span Newsletter. The first one of 2024 after a short break, uh, yes, by me, Janan Marashligil. I'm a writer, a literary translator and an artist based in Amsterdam. Every other week, I take the time to reflect uh, and offer a glimpse of how I see and feel the world through the lens of culture, art, translation, poetry and literature. This issue, I want to talk to you about Steve McQueen. In March 2012, I walked through Blues Before Sunrise, an installation by artist and filmmaker Steve McQueen in Amsterdam's Vondelpark, together with someone whom I hadn't seen in a long time and who used to just be a colleague from Brussels. The 275 street lamps in the park emitting blue light instead of white, didn't only transform the night, it turned acquaintance into friendship. McQueen had extended an invitation to us to engage with one another in more depth, in a place where we may normally just have walked through. I've always admired Steve McQueen's work. He's well known for receiving an Oscar in uh, 2014 for 12 Years a Slave and the Turner Prize in 1999. To me, he has always been the artist who shook me to the core with Shame, a film he co-wrote with Abby Morgan, starring a poignant Michael Fassbender. Most recently, I watched McQueen's first feature documentary titled Occupied City, The Bezettestadt, inspired by the book Atlas of an Occupied City, Amsterdam 1940-1945, published in 2019 by Bianca Stichter, who also wrote the screenplay. The film lasts 262 minutes, so it does ask some organization if you wish to see it in a cinema. (laughs) Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon have trained me well, even if Occupy City was an hour longer than these films. I watched the Dutch version, narrated by Caris van Houten, uh, better known by non-Dutch speakers for playing Melisander in Game of Thrones. I needed to engage with this film in the Dutch language, which I believe is also the original language the filmmaker chose to make his film in, and I wanted to honor that. A version with English narration also exists. In four and a half hours, the film takes us through contemporary Amsterdam, more specifically the city in its COVID era, with its empty streets, its masked protagonists, and those who refused to mask and went out protesting the government restrictions. We go inside people's houses, on squares that have changed names. We stand on monuments, Holocaust and slavery memorials. We attend climate and anti-racism protests. All this happens while stories from the Second World War are being narrated in a voiceover. On each one of these specific places, each address, each square, every street we are shown, people from the past blend into our present. At no point does McQueen use archival footage, not even a photograph on screen. We are never dealing with the past, but always with the present. As William Faulkner once wrote, the past is never dead, it's not even past. 
When I first moved to Amsterdam 15 years ago, I had written an essay for a French publication about how I had started to call not Amsterdam, but Mukum home. This essay has evolved into a recent one I have penned in English for online magazine Skut. And I quote from my essay. Today, I call Mokum home, a place I knew no one when I arrived. For someone who finds themselves in movement between languages, places, imaginations, it might be strange that I choose to call Mokum home today. And maybe it is because I am not really home anywhere, but in writing and translation, in that constant movement, that it feels right to call Mokum home. Mokum in Yiddish means place or safe haven, derived from the Hebrew Makom. The names of certain towns in the Netherlands had been abbreviated in Yiddish. Mokum Alef for Amsterdam, city A, Mokum Dolet for Delft, city D, or Mokum Resh for Rotterdam, city R. Today, the word Mokum is used without the Alef to refer to Amsterdam. For 15 years I have lived in this city, and I have found a home in the former Jewish quarter of Amsterdam, which had been partly destroyed and was rebuilt following the Second World War, when many Jewish families did not return. End quote. I have linked this exploration of identity and belonging to my vision of translation, which is what the essay in Skut is all about. Having found myself in the former Jewish neighborhood of Amsterdam had transported me into a history that was not mine, and yet I felt deeply connected to. Every single street I was walking in, every monument I encountered, it all carried the heavy stories of the past, including the flat where I have been living for 15 years. And I quote again from the essay. Every morning I get up. Every evening, I go to bed in an apartment where a Jewish family lived. All were deported, father, mother, and six children. Barmhartigheid was this family's name. Barmhartigheid means mercy in Dutch. All the members of the Barmhartigheid family were deported and executed in Auschwitz in 1942 and 1943. The mercy family, the charitable family, in memory of the role played by the citizens of Amsterdam during the Second World War, in particular with the strike launched by the Dockers, Queen Wilhelmina presented on 29th March 1947 the motto, which has since become part of the city's coat of arms and can be translated as valiant, determined, charitable or merciful. Heldhaftig, vastberade, Barmhartig. End quote. I used to go pay a homage to the family when the names of all the Jewish people from the Netherlands who were killed in Nazi camps were still listed inside the Hollandse Schauburg, where deportations were organized from. Since 2021, the 102,000 names have moved to the National Holocaust Names Memorial the opening ceremony of which Steve McQueen features in his film. My family's name is also there. I showed my friend, who is also a literary translator and a poet, as we walked by the monument the other day. Rahman, she said. I looked at her, 
Oh, Rahman, et, et Rahmetli aussi. Mais oui, she exclaimed. We stood silent for a split second before we parted ways in a warm embrace. I had never made that connection between the Dutch word barmhartig and the Arabic word for merciful, king and gracious, which in turn had given birth to the Turkish word for the departed. I needed my multilingual friend to open and hold that space for me. My connection to this place had gained another layer of depth. Just like McQueen does in his film, showing us Arabic-speaking residents of an Amsterdam neighborhood playing pétanque, while Caris van Houten narrates another story about a building that used to stand there, or people whose souls caress this particular soil. In La Mémoire, l'Histoire, l'Oubli, published in Paris by Le Seuil in 2000, Paul Ricoeur wrote... Il est des témoins qui ne rencontrent jamais l'audience capable de les écouter et de les entendre. There are witnesses who will never encounter the audience that would be able to hear and listen to them. Maybe the gestures of making art and of translating are attempts at breaking this silence. I've always been looking for a way to express all these emotions I have been experiencing through this knowledge and presence. That is how I found possibilities within translation, as I explained in my Scut uh, essay. I had also previously tried to express those emotions in a short video I made in March 2016, which I will link to in the show notes. The connection between present space and history, how memory is not past, but always in us, with us, within us, has been part of my ongoing quest to better understand myself and the world. It has also been a way for me to explain what literary translation is to me, why there is an urgency in my gesture of translation, why it is a matter beyond linguistic preoccupations. As literary translators, we work with material that is many times unknown to us, whether it is because of the subject, the era, or geography. The beauty of literary translation is to try to find our place within a text and settle there for the period language allows us to. In creating connections through our emotions and how we experience space and time, we find a home and we create one for our readers. My mokum, some place else for you. We will all come from different realities, and yet, in the realm of literary translation, where that connection materializes, we find our common language and create a collective memory and imagination that can live today. I believe this is exactly what Steve McQueen did with Occupied City. He kept us in the present inviting us to engage with issues that have unfortunately not disappeared, such as hatred for the other, division and polarization, violence. He did this, never once showing violence and hatred, never posing any judgment as he made us feel history deep in our bodies. By doing so, he has opened the possibility to engage with contemporary societal issues which are directly related to our common past, from systemic racism and violence, anti-capitalist struggle, to the rise of extreme right discourses. 
He has brilliantly connected our imagination of the past with what matters today. And that is also what I believe literary translation can and must do. This is why, in my imagination, artist and filmmaker Steve McQueen is now also a translator. And now a few things of listening, watching, reading. I've started the year with Virginia Woolf. The first novel I finished in early January was Orlando, a biography. It is one of those books that was always on my list, but I never really took the time to dive into. The first time I had heard of it was in high school. In French class, we were reading Belgian writer Jacqueline Hartmann. I'm still haunted by her book, La Plage d'Ostante, and maybe in a future newsletter I will tell you more about it and about my love for Ostend. Hartmann had at that time written a novel called Orlanda, an adaptation of Woolf's novel. Woolf's novels are no easy reads. I honestly find my way better in her essays and diary entries, but they truly are unique and worth making the effort to dive into. Orlando is particularly fascinating because of its main character changing gender midway into the story and traveling across time. I won't dive in detail into the problematic vocabulary and ideas that some passages contain for today's reader. I was uncomfortable with the exotic and racist depiction of the people Orlando encounters when she leaves Constantinople and stays in Bursa, for instance, or the use of the N-word. This reminds us that it is important to always put a work back into its context. We can enjoy extraordinary writing while also remaining critical. And speaking of how the magic of Orlando still haunts imaginations and yet can be critically reviewed, I want to recommend you Paul B. Preciado's wonderful film based on Wolf's novel titled Orlando, My Political Biography. It is a documentary in which Preciado blurs the lines between fiction and nonfiction and invites trans and non-binary people to the center of the story as they perf perform lines from the novel. And another film I'm excited about, and how come I never saw it, is the restored release of Sally Potter's Orlando, which comes back to cinemas this week in the Netherlands. And in my Orlando path this January, I've listened to the Historical Homos podcast, where they discuss how Virginia Woolf and Vita Sackville-West uh, invent the lesbian love letter, and to an interview with Sally Potter on BBC Radio's This Cultural Life where she tells about the process of making the film 30 years ago. And of course, I'm going to link to all these in uh, the show notes. And I also kept like uh, last year notebook and sketchbook pages in the newsletter. And um, I wanted to share this because now I'm extending the definition of notebooks and sketchbook uh, into uh, the books I'm reading because I started writing Marginalia and to draw in my books. And this is a process I will share maybe in a future edition. And I don't do it with all the books, but definitely with paperbacks I'm doing. I decided to engage in a different way with books. Uh, and I have uh, in the email version of the newsletter, I've shared some pictures from my copy of Orlando. So if you're curious and if you're able to see, uh, please do check the newsletter. I will also link to it uh, in, the, in the show notes. And that was it for this issue of uh, 
the attention span. I'm really thankful for your attention, for your presence, and I speak to you again in two weeks. <laughs>